This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. It is Personal Finance Wednesday. Should students pay down the student loans or hope to get some loan forgiveness in the future? Mayor Lightfoot introducing a package of measures designed to help Chicago businesses hurting from the pandemic. Greg Hines of Cranes will join us to talk about that in our next segment. Recap. Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Michael, let's talk about these meme stocks. We're talking GameStop, AMC. These popped because people on Reddit and other places were talking about them, but now they're rising again. What's going on? Well, good afternoon, Cisco, and thanks again for having me on. Yeah, GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, uh, some of these uh, altcoin cryptos uh, are all pretty much flying uh, today and yesterday, and they're up great on the week on really almost just no news, just just rumor. And, uh, you know, you, you have to wonder, when does this party end? And, and we, we all know how it, how it ends, usually. Uh, it's just a matter of when. And, and you bring up the tax bill situation. Some of these names are up 100%, 5X, 10X just this year. So at some point, these folks are going to realize these capital gains, and then the tax man's going to come calling, and then you wonder what's going to happen to some of these stocks as they have to raise money to pay their taxes. So that's another thing that's going to come uh, come through down the line here. But it is a it's a it's a dicey situation right now with some of these names because you can't put a, a fundamental argument on why they're so high. Uh, and really, only GameStop, the only real reason you can say is, well, they just raised money. They just raised $550 million and paid down all their long-term debt because the stock is so high. So um, you can make that case. But as far as a business model, none of these stocks seem to have a, a, a viable one. So we'll see how this all plays out. You talked about the tax issue. That's interesting as so many young people are trading these stocks back and forth and others just sort of getting into the markets. And they haven't they haven't been doing this a year yet. They haven't gotten that into the year 1099 yet, dealing with the tax consequences. Yeah, they are their parents. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that might be a little uh, cold uh, splash in the face when that happens. And then, as I said, we'll see what happens to the stocks as – they have to raise funds to pay off their taxes. Um, that that's probably not happening. Maybe till next year, but it's certainly one of the things that 
to, to watch out for in these names. Uh, and, and it reminds me of, of the Benjamin Graham quote that, that the stock market in the short term is a voting uh, machine, but in the long term it's a weighing machine. So we're going through the voting machine right now, and you can tell there's a lot of people voting up on these, on these names. But in the long term, when it switches to a weighing machine, we're going to see what happens to some of these stocks. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo. He is founder of MJP Capital, also author of the book Calculated Risk. Just ahead, the city looks to extend a helping hand to businesses that have been really hammered by the pandemic. The Chicago City Council is considering a series of measures from Mayor Lightfoot crafted to help businesses that have suffered in the COVID crisis. Let's get a thumbnail sketch from Greg Hines, columnist at Crane's Chicago Business. Greg, what is the mayor trying to do here? Well, she's uh, trying to show that she cares. I mean, that's uh, she's acting like a politician. I understand that. But uh, in mixed in with the politics is some good government. But, you know, it's typical of these kinds of things. It's not uh, It's not all 100%, 100% one way or the other. There's some stuff here the business is going to like, and there's some stuff here the business is not going to like. Give us an idea of some of the things businesses would like. Well, um uh, they're going to uh, limit uh, delivery fees, which is something on, uh, on uh, ordered out food, which is something a lot of Chicagoans uh, uh, are going to notice right away, and which a lot of restaurants depend on. They're going to limit it to 15% uh, of, of the overall bill. Uh, the, uh, the delivery companies won't like it, but the restaurants sure will. Uh, they're also promising uh, $10 million in grants to, for, for businesses that uh, have, uh, have had particular problems and a, a discounted payment plan if uh, you get in the hock to the city in terms of when you pay your license fees and so forth. That'll be very popular. They're going to legalize uh, sidewalk signs that a lot of companies have. And, uh, man, I hope they do this because every mayor says this. They're going to cut lots of red tape uh, to make it easier for you if you're setting up a business uh, or renewing a business uh, to uh, to get your permit and whatever. Um, uh, they're also going to put some money into the taxi business. They say their goal is, to, is by cutting red tape and cost savings to uh, boost the number of cabs on the street by 20%, which would help a lot because there aren't a lot. Yeah, not all, right. Yeah, right. Uh, you mentioned that cap on delivery fees, fifteen percent. Uh, interesting that the mayor is saying that that's until after the city recovers from the pandemic. I mean, is there any chance that that ever goes away? Uh, probably not. Uh, I, I have a hunch that people are going to like this, and uh, they may tinker with it, but it's going to stay. Um, on the other side of the electric, Cisco, there, there's some stuff that uh, will uh, will draw some hmms from the business community. Uh, they're going to expand uh, 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 the paid sick leave provisions uh, to, to cover uh, uh, taking care of a family member, not just yourself. Uh, um, uh, there's a uh, if a, domestic workers are going to have to get a written contract now. If you hire a, a maid as an employee, they're going to have to give them a written contract so they look at it. Um, and there's something called uh, 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 ensuring fair minimum wage for 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 chain workers, which I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, uh, you know, and is all of this stuff, particularly the uh, the red the red tape cutting, it's going to depend on on the details. Uh, we won't we don't know those yet. We don't know those till hearings. So I'd say generally good stuff here, uh, but uh, uh, some of it's going to be a little controversial and some of it needs to be fleshed out. Some of it sounds like employers are going to have to maybe deal with some higher employment costs, but if there is cutting of red tape, it could make things a little easier and more profitable there. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and my only hesitation there is, uh, is every I can recall every mayor in this city back to Blandick, for crying out loud, holding a big press a big press conference to talk about how we're going to cut the red tape and make City Hall lean and mean. It never quite works out that way. I hope it does. It's all in how you define red tape, Greg. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's because, because uh, uh, you know, uh, limits on stuff like home businesses and whatever the business community is for it, but the neighbors who, who, who have to put up with the business, they have their own way of looking at it. The, usually when there's rules and inspectors to enforce the rules, it's because somebody has squawked and say they're being inconvenienced or put out one way or another. Yeah. Thanks so much. Always good insight. Greg Hines, you can read him in Crane's Chicago Business either in print or online. Up next, Ford ups its investment in electric vehicles. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Ford is updating its plan to go electric in a major way. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, it's good to have you back on the show. So what is Ford saying it's going to do? Well, they're going to invest $30 billion now in electric vehicles over the next four years. That's $8 billion more. And the target is to be 40% electric in terms of sales by 2030. So that's going to mean electric versions of more vehicles. The one that they mentioned specifically was the, uh, was the Ford Explorer, which is made in Chicago, and also the Lincoln version, the Lincoln Aviator. They were a little uh, vaguer about other vehicles, but they do intend to have a number of EV models. But... They stopped short of saying, like GM, that they aspire to be all EV. So Ford not yet setting a target on being all EV, but they'll be about 40% by the end of the decade. Is that wise, maybe to be able to hedge your bets in case you're not able to achieve that 100% EV mark? Uh, you know, in a press conference just a few minutes ago, Ford CEO Jim Farley was pressed on that. And he said, look, what GM is saying is an aspiration. They're not setting a goal of being all EV. They're saying they aspire. They say what we're doing at Ford is setting a goal, 40%. Now, when you take an in-depth look at that number, they're going to be 100% EV in Europe. So that doesn't mean they're going to be 40% EV in the U.S. It's going to be substantially less than that. And is some of that, and maybe we don't know yet, maybe it's too early, I mean, is some of that based on demand here in the U.S., or is there a sense that the U.S. consumer really does want all electric vehicles? I think they're hedging their bets, as you said, to begin with. I think they have a sense that we're heading in that direction, but I don't think anybody knows exactly how fast we're heading in that direction. Right now, there's a lot of government pressure to move us in that direction, but as we know, government's changing so if we were talking, there wouldn't have been that much government pressure putting us in that area. That's why Europe is more of a bet. The European governments are pushing car makers to make EVs so they can say we're going to be 100% EV. Here in the U.S., it's not nearly as predictable. But they're showing, I mean, it is a significant investment, and so there would be an expectation that that investment would indeed yield to more all-electric vehicles. Yeah, it certainly would yield a lot of them, and Ford also says part of that investment is finding less expensive ways to make EVs, particularly EV batteries. So, you know, while they said they wouldn't talk about aspirations, they did talk about one aspiration there. They, they say their aspiration is to make EVs more profitable than gasoline-powered vehicles, and that's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, sure will. Thanks so much, Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter. Still ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, exploring the financial rules for couples. And by the way, Ford's stock rising today. It's up almost 7%. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM.
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Police investigate a deadly mass shooting at a rail yard in California. More next in a special report from CBS News. Personal Finance Wednesday. Money can sometimes be a hurdle for couples. We'll discuss ways to help clear the way. Also on the financial front, strategies to deal with student debt amid fears of inflation. On the markets, the Dow now up 60 points, the Nasdaq is up 80, and the S&P is up 10 points. We have oil today down right about a quarter of a percent. Sunshine and blue skies all day long. Chance for some rain tomorrow and cooler tomorrow. High of just 60 tomorrow. Today we'll get up into the 80s. 1231. CBS News Special Report. San Jose, California, the latest mass shooting location in this country. There are multiple injuries and multiple fatalities in this case. Santa Clara Sheriff's Deputy Russell Davis. They all were employees of the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority, or VTA, which operates a rail yard. Board Chairman Glenn Hendricks. So horrible tragedies happen today. And our thoughts and love goes out to the VTA family. Michael Hawkins' mom works there. My mom called me this morning saying that there was a shooting. I guess she uh, hid in the, uh, in the room with uh, the rest of her co-workers. KCBS Radio's Tim Ryan from the scene outside San Francisco says the gunman is dead. As authorities arrived, uh, they had a number of uh, people dead, a number of people injured, and a gunman down and deceased. Police have not yet said just how many victims there are at the facility. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. It's 1232. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are higher, but just barely. The Dow up 59, NASDAQ up 79, and the S&P is up 11 points. Let's see what's going on. Paul Nolte is here, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Paul, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? No, it's been kind of a quiet day. There's not a lot of economic data moving the markets, and it's uh, we've had a little bit of a rally over the last few days uh, and a little bit of a rotation toward the growth sector as interest rates have come down. But I think really the focus is going to be on the jobs report, which we'll get next week, and, uh, and then we'll see where we go from there. And going forward, as we look for more growth, do you feel like there needs to be some sort of a catalyst for us to get another good run, or are, are people maybe just waiting to see how some of this other stuff shakes out? Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts here. You know, certainly we're hearing from some of the central banks around the world that they're talking about, thinking about pulling back on some of the easing policies. The Fed is not yet there. Uh, how much of the inflation that we've seen over the last couple months? is truly transitory and how much sticks around. And then also, how easy is it going to be for a lot of businesses to open up and, and how quickly do consumers return back to the stores, et cetera? We're getting a sense that it's, it's happening at a pretty good clip, but can we stock the shelves and do everything that we need to do and, and get back to business as normal? And what we're finding is, there's a lot of glitches in that supply chain, and that's creating some problems uh, for a lot of businesses getting back to normal. And when it comes to investing in an environment like this, where, as you mentioned, inflation is a legitimate concern, what, what do you advise investors to do? 
Well, I mean, we, we still are looking at companies that are going to benefit from the economic reopening. It is happening. It is going on. So we're looking at a lot of those that are consumer discretionary type of companies. We're more favorable to small uh, U.S. companies. They tend to be very domestic focused. Uh, they will they should do well. Surprisingly enough, also real estate investment trusts. Uh, you know, we're still talking about getting back to work and how that's going to work. So there's some issues there, but I think there's some opportunities in that sector as well. You know, you touch on uh, on inflation and the Fed and how they're dealing with it. Uh, is the Fed able to be nimble if there's a determination that the inflation isn't transitory? Or are they able to just sort of jump into action to take care of it? Or might it get to a point where it's out of control and it, it takes them longer to take care of it? Yeah, it's it's <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Um, the Fed has not been notorious for being nimble on on anything that they've done really over the last 30 or 40 years. And since 2010, investors have been very focused on is the Fed going to pull back? And we've had a couple taper tantrums, et cetera. The Fed is, at by admission, going to wait to see what happens. So because of that, they're actually going to be behind the curve. They're going to allow inflation to run hot. And it could get a little bit out of control. But with all the debt that we have, it's going to be a tough move to raise interest rates significantly because that's going to increase a huge burden on the U.S. government for those interest payments. Yeah, and thinking of, you know, when it comes to interest, everyone's been used to low interest rates for so long. Any sort of movement seems huge. Yeah, and it, we're not unusual. It, surprisingly enough, we're actually paying one of the highest interest rates around the world. We still have negative interest rates in Europe. We have zero negative interest rates in Japan. And that's been going on now for quite some time. And we think we're in that environment for uh, a lot of uh, a much longer time because of the amount of debt that all of the countries have. Uh, it's not necessarily in their best interest to raise rates because those costs will will skyrocket for them. Thanks so much, Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Just ahead, Personal Finance Wednesday, helping couples prevent trouble over money. Later in the show, if you have student loans, should you pay them off now, maybe make extra payments, or wait for some sort of forgiveness? This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by Mesero Wealth Management. This afternoon, we're focusing on ways to prevent money from getting in the way of relationships. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group, found online at engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, it's good to have you with us here. Um, Let's, I guess, begin with ways that couples can talk about money. Sometimes it's so awkward, difficult, painful, that they just don't even talk about it. Yeah, it's a great starting point, Cisco. And I often joke with clients that I have a PhD in couple psychology, because as you can imagine, very few people are completely aligned when it comes to, to money matters. And having those direct, open conversations, common goals and interests are really important to make sure that as best as you can, you can be on the same page. Yeah, because when it comes to goals, you can have one member of the couple who wants to save, 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 another one who wants to explore, have opportunities, experiences. And if the goals aren't the same, they're just going to be butting heads. 
You know what? And, and that's the important fundamental point is that we each bring to the table our own money history, our own money DNA, how we were brought up, what we do with money. And so those are kind of the key areas, right? Spending and saving. What are we doing for spending? What are we doing for saving? And again, coming up with a common goal of how you want to approach uh, different elements of your life together could, again, create a lot of clarity and a lot less argumentative, uh, argumentative points. Okay, a lot of folks have good credit scores, some don't, and, and it can be embarrassing, even if you've been married for a while. How important is it to know what's going on with each other's credit? Yeah, I don't recommend asking for a credit report or FICO score on the first date, but you definitely over time want to understand your par- or your partner's money mindset. And what you want to avoid, obviously, is over time, like you said, you know, it could be embarrassing to be like, hey, I'm just not good with money or I've got a lot of debt. You don't want that to come as a surprise. So being very upfront about that over time as things potentially, let's say, get more serious is just absolutely terrific, especially having those conversations before engaging in any kind of lease or mortgage together. Now, what about when it comes to uh, okay you get your finances together in your relationship but when it comes to who pays what or or having separate bank accounts or the same bank account divvying up expenses uh, what do you advise on that that seems like that can also be complicated and create some challenges yeah, there's rules of thumb out there, but what's important is make sure that the rule applies to your household and it works together. So, for instance, if you have a spending plan in your household and, and you know, one, one partner is responsible for X amount of expenses and one for another, again, just make sure it's equal and aligned because oftentimes, you know, you're not making the same exact salary. So you want to avoid debates and discussions and arguments about who's paying for what to the, to the nth nickel and penny. This is where I've seen couples have real problems. So, yeah. Yes. Again, have a money mindset, have an understanding of how each other, how you work together, and then who's going to be paying for what. But then be absolving if, if issues come around that that can't necessarily be handled right away. Now, earlier you talked about talking about goals when it comes to finances. Uh, what, what about just getting talking at all? I mean, is it good to make it a calendar item? Does that just seem awkward to schedule money talks as a couple? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Regular money meetings are a good practice because what you're basically doing is you're reaffirming your spending and savings plan on the short run and then checking in on those bigger goals. And again, it doesn't mean that you both have to have the same exact goals. You just want to make sure that you're pulling your financial ropes together in the same rope. So, yeah, it's always good, especially around the months or let's say even the quarters to sit down, kind of review statements, review your retirement plans, review your savings. And again, just kind of have that check in and reaffirm. Thanks so much, Ed. Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner at Engage Wealth Group. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday, another dose of Personal Finance Wednesday. Dealing with handling student debt, do you make payments now or do you wait in the hopes of getting some sort of debt forgiveness? The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A double dose of Personal Finance Wednesday. In this segment, we're dealing with student debt in what could be a time of inflation. We welcome Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management, online at fairhavenwealth.com. Uh, Mark, let's begin with helping people understand, if you have student loan debt, what sort of an impact should inflation in a higher inflation environment have on, on how you deal with that debt? Uh, yeah, well, I guess in the economic theory is if we do get a bunch of inflation, that uh, that today's dollars are, are going to be um, uh, dollars. Uh, it makes more sense basically to defer paying off debt. But uh, but but I think it's going to be more interesting in the uh, in the in the short term to see what happens out in Washington D.C. So. 
Uh, right now, the, the payment pause and the zero interest rate on federal student loans are set to expire at the end of September, and it still just remains to be seen how that's going to shake out. But So I would recommend for anybody that's got federal student loan uh, debt to sit tight and see how and see how that uh, and see how that gets resolved could be a scenario where if they extend that zero interest rate into the future it, it could it could make sense just to hang on to your student loan debt because that's going to be uh, free free money. Yeah, and it's sort of interesting. I mean, yeah, they 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 may get some sort of forgiveness. However, that's not guaranteed, right? That, it creates kind of a challenge. It's not, and you know, recent developments are saying that uh, that that forgiveness, outright forgiveness, maybe is going to be off the table in these latest rounds of negotiations. But again, if they if they extend that zero interest rate, that's a that's a form of forgiveness in that uh, you're not paying any interest on debt. So I'd say in general, uh, when you're thinking about managing the debt side of the debt side of the balance sheet, you really want to prioritize. Uh, debt by its highest cost and tackle your highest cost debt first. And so generally that's going to be credit card debt. Uh, and so you'd want to pay that, pay that off first. But again, if they, if they keep that rate at zero, uh, the, that cost of debt is going to fall to the bottom of the list. And so that might be the last debt that you want to pay off. So, so again, I'd say don't do anything right now. There is a great resource that I want to share with everybody. It's studentaid.gov. Uh, and it goes through all sorts of different scenarios. There's a whole bunch of different scenarios based on your individual circumstances where you might be able to apply for maybe a, a different type of repayment plan or or some form of forgiveness. So that's worth checking out in the interim while the, the folks in Washington, D.C. get this figured out. Really good advice. Thanks so much. Always enjoy having you on the show. Mark Horner, Fairhaven Wealth Management. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, the replay podcast will be available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.